started 18 years ago at Adobe. I'm sure it was a much different company than it is now. And it, you saw it grow like crazy and you saw people love and hate Photoshop, I imagine, and all of that. Which part of Adobe are you in? So I'm in the digital media. So I came through the macromedia acquisition. So mm -hmm. Flash, uh, Dreamweaver and, and ah. those products. Uh, and, uh, but yeah, so I, I saw a lot of things. I mean, at the time we were still racking servers and, you know, having a lot of hardware. And so that transition to the cloud, which happened about 10 years ago now, um, you know, was, was a big change, I think, for the company, uh, uh, you know, enabling a lot of teams to do a lot more, you know, I mean, at the time you wanted to deploy your service, it took, you know, 18 months just to, you know, procure hardware and, and get all the pieces together. Uh, and that, so definitely that acceleration was a significant uh, change within the company. Nice. All right. Um, before getting into anything further on the, on the technical side, can yeah. we, uh, this is a question from my, from my friend Miguel, who wanted me to ask you before we, you know, go too, too deep. Can we just get a little bit of background about your local environment tools, ID, Terminal, etc. Personally, or you know, in general. Mm, I mean, let, let, let's see personally. Yeah, so I mean, I'm I'm on a Mac. Actually, I was on a PC for a long time. Uh, at some point, you know, my boss was like, "Why don't you go to you know, order a Mac instead?" You know, when it was time to renew the computer, and I was like, "Okay, whatever." Um, so you know, I use mostly open source. You know, I'm Atom guy, um, Git, uh, Docker. Um, you know, it's, I think everything I use is free. Uh, so, you know, I, maybe I, I should cost more to the company, uh, but I don't. <laughs> um, so, I, you know, it's mostly free stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, Docker, you know, everything that we use is... is so, um, uh, just jumping in real fast, like when you were going from, like you talked about the migration to the cloud, with at Adobe and how how that took place and you were on Mesos and then you were moving towards Kubernetes I imagine and I know we talked with Mike and Joe uh, about a month ago about that process and how Joe ended up being on the Kubernetes team like 1.0 team release um, and I'm just wondering for you how was it how was the switch to Kubernetes and what did that look like so it was, you know, I think it was post-Mesos. Uh, so, you know, I talk about we went to the cloud. I mean, all this thing took time, right? We, you know, Adobe, at least the team I was involved with, went to the cloud. It was, you know, 10 years ago. It took, you know, maybe another five years before we got into containers. Uh, you know, and I'm talking about production here. You know, everybody was playing with things uh, as soon as they come out. Um, so when we went to Mesos, I think Kubernetes one was already there, uh, but we didn't feel maybe that it was, you know, ready for production at the time. Uh, I don't know if we necessarily trusted it. Uh, and, you know, I'm not saying it was the right decision. It's just, you know, this, it's the decision that we took. Uh, but at the same time, we definitely kept an eye on it. Um, our entire operation is based upon being able to change the piece should something new come up, you know? So it's very modular in a sense. Um, uh, it, it, it's a it's a hard thing to do. You know, we call it changing a, an engine. You know, in an airplane while it's in flight. Uh, but at the same time, you know, it's 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 an ability that we 
that we keep to ourselves. We, we want to be able to do it. And so we were definitely keeping a close eye on Kubernetes, um, you know, but at the same time learning about containers and how do you roll them out and how do you build images? I mean, you, you had to start from scratch, right? Uh, at the time. And so, yeah. you know, and so th- those, that journey, I think, took quite a bit of time. And so I'm not surprised that, you know, Joe, uh, Mike, they were already, you know, playing with Kubernetes, even though we were maybe a little bit, you know, behind them. Uh, but, you know, I think we used their inputs. There was definitely a group focused on, hey, what, what are the criteria to move to, to Kubernetes? I remember, you know, at some point, and maybe we're jumping a little bit ahead, um, but, you know, it, it turns out we ended up writing a lot of custom components for Mesos. Uh, mm-hmm. And and one of the criteria, one of the reasons to go to Kubernetes is the, the community is so much bigger that, you know, writing your own component is great because you can make it do what you want, uh, but it's expensive at the same time. You know, you still got to maintain it. You still got to keep up. Uh, and so we want we wanted to definitely mm-hmm. leverage uh, everything that the community had to offer and, and enhance it and then contribute that back. Uh, and so one of the criteria, I remember, you know, so we wrote all those custom components uh, and, you know, there was a laundry list of things. Hey, when we move to Kubernetes, what's going to happen to those components? You know, get rid of that component, get rid of that component. Get rid of that. And I was like, ah, what's, what's going to happen to me? You know, my component <laughs> is going away. Uh, but it was, it was just a shift in, uh, you know, in mentality a little bit is, Hey, let's, you know, let the community has probably already resolved, you know, the problem you're trying to solve. Um, let's leverage that. And let's, you know, if, if it doesn't work exactly, let's enhance it. Uh, and maybe somebody else can mm-hmm. find it useful. Yeah, that's pretty top of, that's online, in line with the topic that we're talking about right now, right? Like this idea of, okay, well, Ingress was there. It was the community had that so it was great you were using it but then you wanted to go into this like uh now we got to figure out how we can make it better how can we enhance it and what are we going to do what should we do so uh just basic still laying the foundation here i would love to know about the the whole networking side like i understand networking and it's how computers talk to each other it's very important with kubernetes but i'm wondering can you give us a breakdown of ingress and i look at it as like the the thing that is the front line it's the front lines with the the web we could say and then ingress controllers so that people know what we're talking about when we start to get a little bit deeper into this sure so i mean for us when we talk about ingress we talk about um you know like you said the the front end the web the client um but it's as soon as that packet leaves so i so let me back up. We, we have a pretty standard, you know, deployment load balancer in front, you know, and packets are routed to individual services. Uh, and so when we talk about ingress, it's really, you know, when a packet leaves the load balancer and all the way until you reach the namespace, you know, in your Kubernetes, you know, it's almost to the service. Um, maybe it can go all the way to the service. So that's, that's what we think about ingress. And so all this routing, you know, when, when you think about in Kubernetes, uh, what, what, what is a service? You know, you have a service, you have endpoints. So that's the individual pods, right? That run, that listen on some ports and you want to forward traffic to them, you know, from, you know, actually multiple input points. That was one of our challenge actually, is we had uh, a multi-path ingress. You know, there's, there's teams that want to expose the service publicly, teams that want to expose the service just internally, uh, custom, you know, just to some uh, their customers only, you know. So then, you know, that was one of those challenge, I guess, 
you know, when I talk, when I think about limits, that's what I think about ingress. And so the, the, there's two components at play here. You got the data plane. So that's essentially the reverse proxy. That's the thing that decides, hey, there's traffic, got to go to that service. Uh, and then there's the control plane. Uh, and that's typically what you think about when you talk about ingress controller is what is that component that actually programs, you know, that data plane. You know, a lot of team talks about, you know, they, they, they run Nginx. I think that's pretty, you know, a, a familiar concept. You know, you have a, a, a config file that has all those routing. And the, the controller, if you were, is just going to update that config file and tell Nginx to reload, and, and there you go. So the controller this is not in the data path, you know, at all. Um, to, to that's, take that little, that's what we talk about. Yeah, to take it a little bit further, just because, you know, I've heard a lot of folks talking about there's a lot of love for Nginx, but then also people maybe going a little bit more towards Envoy. In terms of choosing the controller that works for you, what factors should people keep in mind or what things do you think are important? It's it's features, I think, you know, and turns out we were on Nginx uh, with Mesos and we went to Envoy actually. Uh, and um, the, the community around Envoy is actually, you know, super big. Um, so I don't know if it's something that you follow, you know, the way they're using it at Lyft is, you know, at scale. I mean, it's, 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 yeah, I mean, it's a graduated CNCF project. Uh, mm -hmm. It's got all those things that, you know, it, it can do a lot. I mean, it's a Swiss army knife of, um, you know, ingress and proxy and, and even the way we're using it, I don't think we're scratching the surface on, on the capabilities that what that thing can oh, wow. do. Uh, and so, you know, the ingress controller, you know, which is responsible for programming it, as you know, a lot of opinions, if you will, or only offers, you know, configure certain part of it. And this is where we reach some limits. We, we, you know, so, you know, like I said earlier, we have a, a lot of teams. I mean, a lot of requirements, if you will, a lot of routing needs, you know, you know, more exotic than others. Uh, and, and Envoy can support those, but the controller may not necessarily support them. And so the question is, how do you, you know, expose those and yeah. How do you expose those? And mm. um, yeah, I mean, that's, I think, you know, about that, when you talk about that, that question, I think that that answers mm. it is how do you choose? I think it's more about features and, you know, and support and, and community around it. Very good. Yeah. And so like, I understand that networking has its limitations and still looking at this, I've heard from other friends that like um, what Kubernetes is based on in the IP tables are no notoriously complex, right? And I wondered if you ever had any problems or have gone down that rabbit hole and you could share some insight and wisdom with, with uh, these IP tables that are leading to bottlenecks. It is. I mean, I, when I think about that, it's not necessarily part of ingress, although, you know, it is part of my team's responsibility. Uh, so it's no secret, a QProxy, you know, native QProxy, you know, use a lot of IP tables. Uh, and if you ever look at the IP table files, it's, it's huge. I mean, it's, it's big. Um, and so, you know, without advertising, we're, we're leveraging a component that converts those to uh, eBPF. And so, you know, when you make that transition and we haven't fully made the transition, we're, we're kind of midway, you know, so we, we use that component. We do a lot of eBPF um, with, with that component, but we're still using IP tables a little bit right now. Um, yeah, but in my testing, those rules just go away, like the file's empty. Uh, 
and and so if you think about all that parsing that has to happen every time a packet goes through uh, the NIC, uh, you know, it's a it's a lot. Yeah. Um, so if you can get rid of that, you are going to see performance improvements for sure. Mm. Uh, but you know, eBPF, I you know, I love eBPF. I, I you know, I try to learn as much as I can. Yeah. You know, there's summits, obviously tomorrow. Um, it's free. You know, I encourage everybody to sign up. Um, but you know, those are the experts. But you know, to answer your question, yeah, I mean, IP tables is you know is definitely can come up as a bottleneck. You know, in, in high traffic uh, deployments for sure. Yeah, and just following along that line, are there anything? Is there anything else that's baked into Kubernetes that you enjoy or don't enjoy when it comes to networking? Well, it's more general than that. It's 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 the CRD. You know, to me, is that was the game changer. I think from Mesos to Kubernetes is uh, you know being able to um, create, you know, those resources as, you know, basically an API, if you will, uh, and being able to extend them as opposed to, you know, write a brand new component. Uh, and, and that's what we ended up doing is just extend the CRD. It's easy to do. You just, you know, mm-hmm. it's a YAML, <clears throat> you extend it, and then, you know, you update your controller and just have whatever components, um, that uses a CRD to, you know, leverage that, you know, that new information or new structure that you put in the CRD. And that applies, you know, that's not just ingress. That's that's anything, you know, I watched the open EBS, you know, I mean, it's the same concept, right? You got a controller, you got a, you know, a data plane uh, and, and, you know, anything that you can extend based on that, uh, you know, is going to make your life easier. So to me, the CRD is the big thing for Kubernetes. Nice. And now that we got a little bit of you know groundwork established on on an ingress in the current state of affairs, now that ingress is at uh, at version one, do you think what do you think the the future of Kubernetes with ingress will be? So you know there there I mean if you if you look at the SIG, they're already making improvements on you know how do you leverage ingress. Um, you know in our environment we uh, actually use a different CRD which is ingress route um, uh, which builds on top of ingress. Um, but you know, I think those things converging, you know, I think, I think ingress one Oh, or 0.1, it was, was very basic, right. You could, you know, route packets to services, uh, but there's so much more that you, that you need, you know, so, and, and, you know, as we're going to start talking about limits and, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's all those routing needs is hard, you know, how, how do you, yes. Yeah, what, what do those team want to do? Uh, and I'm always kind of the guy, you know, I don't, I, I, I hate to operate in the black box. Like I want my users to know what's going on um, because I, you know, I don't want to prevent innovation, if you will. I don't want to be a, you know, so, you know, it's like, what, what do you want to do? You know, tell me, and maybe we can talk through it. And, and, you know, if it's reasonable, we'll enable it. Uh, so that's kind of like my, my mode of uh, operands, if you will. Um, but I think, you know, I think Ingress is, is, is progressing, you know, that, um, um, you know, one of the challenge was all those annotation to make it do what you want to do and, and managing annotations in Kubernetes is, you know, I mean, it's, it's kind of like a B plan, right? You don't leverage all the features that you get from CRD around validation and, you know, all this thing that, that comes, comes with it. Well, let's dive into this whole limit. And when you hit the limit, what limit was it that you hit? And when did you realize 
that, Hey, this is something that is happening. We should probably start looking for another option. Correct. So, you know, so we, you know, I talked a little bit about normal limits, high limits, things that you get in storage, you know, your disk has a fixed size. Uh, so we reach limits on, on the number of ingresses and number of services. Uh, we reach limits on um, uh, long live connections. So, you know, in, in an ingress environment, um, if you have long polling um, connections and we have some teams that use those, uh, and, and you have to refresh the listener, we'll drain those connections. And, you know, at some point we're going to cut them off. You know, we're not going to drain them forever. But it turns out there's some teams that want to have those long putting connections for days, weeks, I heard. Who knows, you know, what they're doing. Uh, and so, you know, how do you, you know, address those needs? Uh, another thing was around uh, the churn. The churn is, for me, is, you know, it's not so much the volume, it's the volume per a time slice. So lots of changes in short amount of time. Uh, and that, you know, creates a bottleneck on Envoy in the way it was uh, configured. I think, yeah, so those are the normal limits that you would that you get. Uh, and then there's the challenges, you know, we talked a little bit about that, you know, multi-path, uh, multi-tenancy, all those teams with all those needs. Uh, and maybe that's something we didn't talk about is we, we, we're, you know, we operate in a multi-tenant environment. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we have those constraints as well is how do you secure that, you know, so that, you know, teams that, you know, have nothing to do with each other, but they yet are deployed on the same cluster, you know, have those security policies in place. Uh, and so, you know, when you combine all those challenges and those limits, you find out that while well, your ingress controller may not provide all the features that you need. Uh, or that, you know, you have a little bit of a different opinion than what's implemented in the ingress controller. Uh, and, and that's where you're like, okay, I got to do something. So when you said you came to and you were like, okay, let's, let's do something. Now, how did the, what were some factors that you were looking at? Because I imagine cost was a huge one. You were saying, well, let's, Let's try and build it or let's try and see if there's another company out there. I'm sure you did some due diligence to try and figure out, is there something else that does what we need it to do? And how did that whole process look? So absolutely. So, yeah, I mentioned Kubernetes. We don't want to build things on our own we, we, from scratch like that. Those days, you know, are over. Or so it seems. Um, and so, yeah, we definitely... Uh, did our due diligence, you know, a lot of evaluations on, on what was out there. We, you know, at, at that time we knew Envoy, you know, and we, we knew we were going to stick to Envoy and that kind of, you know, reduce the choice of ingress controllers. Uh, and that's good. You know, you got to have your constraints. Um, and so at the same time, we knew that Envoy also uh, were providing some of the feature that we needed. They were just not exposed uh, in the ingress controller. And so at the beginning we started, enhancing, you know, I mentioned enhancing the CRD um, uh, and then, you know, making changes in the ingress controller to support all the things that we needed. Uh, but we reached a point where that wasn't sufficient, you know, and it was really around that churn, uh, so much changes uh, that would lock Envoy uh, and, and, you know, and I don't know how deep we want to go in Envoy, but they support multiple APIs to, you know, being able to configure Envoy. And so the controller that we're using is, you know, using one generation 
of those API, which is kind of like the state of the world. So every time a t- a things change, you know, the whole thing gets sent to Envoy. And you can think, yeah. you know, it's a lot of data when you talk about at scale. Uh, but Envoy supports, you know, delta changes. So only send the change, you know. And so those, those, you know, that's one of the factors that it's like, okay, we need a controller that supports this. And so, you know, does that exist? And um, well, it turns out it didn't. And, and that's where we were able to sell that, you know, higher up is that we could, you know, we needed to write our own uh, at that point. Yeah, but, you and- know, it, I got to say, it is the last resort, right? It's like you, you know, <laughs> you don't want to do that systematically for sure. You, know? and that, you that's sound like you're talking from experience. You've <laughs> felt that pain. Yeah, you've done it a few times, and you realize how how much more difficult it is, I imagine, than just hopping on to another community that has already done it. Exactly. I mean, yeah, that's where you leverage what the community has done. Um, and you know, once you build something from scratch, it's yours. Like you gotta, you know, you gotta keep it. You gotta keep it. Up, you know, this is it. You know, security update maintenance. You know, the whole thing. And that's that's where you talk about the, the long-term costs, I guess. Mm. Uh, and, you know, in in most cases, you know, it's the community will, you know, will resolve those things for you. Uh, and so that's something that we want to watch. And so, you know, while, while, we're, while we're doing that, we're still watching what's going on out there. Uh, we may contribute this actually back to the community ourselves. Yeah, that was my uh, next question. Yeah. Uh, I was wondering if you've thought about open sourcing it so that you have others that are helping you. We, we definitely, that's our plan right now. So we're, we're in the midst of building this replacement. Um, and, and, uh, but you know, the plan is, is to open source it, see if it can help, help somebody else and, you know, get the feedback that you, you normally need uh, by building those, those kind of components. Uh, but yeah, that's the plan eventually. And so, just diving into how things are structured at Adobe a little bit, because I know Joe and Mike were talking uh, about these loosely coupled teams, but I'm wondering how, how do the environments look? Do you use an environment for each team or is it a cluster for each team or is it divided into projects? How does that look? It's up to the, to the team to decide what they want to do. You know, our role is to maybe unify the building of those infrastructure so that no two teams have to build the same thing differently. You know, that's, I think, a cost to, to Adobe that we want to avoid. I think about uh, deployment. You know, you, there's a million ways to deploy, right? The team that we're talking about here, they're, they're providing value to Adobe customers. Those customers don't care how things are deployed. You know, we want those teams to focus on, on that, that business value that they add, right? And so we don't want them to spend time on trying to figure out how to deploy. We don't want them to figure out how to, you know, how do you get your thing compliant to some, you know, standards or whatever. So we, we want to unify those kind of things. So the way it's structured is we, you know, we run services, we deploy services for other teams at Adobe, uh, but we operate a little bit in an open source model within the company. Uh, so our, our infrastructure code, if you will, is open. People can make contribution. Uh, people can run it. Uh, we run a set of clusters for teams that don't, you know, want to run their own services. Uh, so it's a blend of kind of at all in in a sense. So yeah, however, however someone wants to do it, they can. And the the main question for me is how do you keep the communication so that people aren't building the same thing twice? How does that happen? Because 
is it every time that I want to go out and create something, I should check with the whole company to make sure that it's not already built? Well, in my experience, there's no mandate. You know, teams actually could do that. And, and if you think about Adobe, it's not, we don't have one product. We don't have one customer. It's, it's hundreds. It's acquisitions. You know, it's services that sometimes have nothing to do with each other. Uh, although there is a, you know, a push to kind of unify those services, you know, use like the same identity and, you know, there is some integration, if you will. But at the end of the day, I feel the, you know, the, the engineering managers have that freedom. Uh, and so, you know, I think it's on us to say, hey, you know, you, you want to do this? We already done it. Look, you know, uh-huh. if it doesn't meet the needs that you have, you know, well, contribute to it. You know, some other team out there may need what you need. And so that's how you kind of give back internally. It's the same concept as, you know, any the Kubernetes community or any other communities out there, I think, mm-hmm. is, you know, try to leverage work that somebody else has already has, has done. Uh, so so you don't reinvent the wheel. You're making sure that everyone is, that there's no overlap, that if someone is has the same infrastructure or the same uh, whatever it, they need as someone on the other side of the company and they don't talk, you're the go-between and you say, hey, well, you know, maybe these are a bit redundant. We can form them into one. We do some of this outreach, I think, you know, uh, but at the end of the day, it comes down to w- when you build something, you know, it's got to have all those uh, standards. Yeah, you know, Like you take credit cards, it's got to have, you know, this compliance, it's got to have, you know. And so that work, if you have to do it yourself, you know, from scratch is very expensive uh, and, and takes a lot of time. Uh, and that means you're not going to ship your product you know, until you pass all those checks. And so if we can provide a way to build, you know, an infrastructure that already has those checks in place, yet you can stand it up yourself, you know, you're going to save teams a lot of time and money. I think, you know, and to the company, you're going to save, you know, the company a lot of time and money because, you know, you remove that duplication of work. Uh, oh, yeah. So that's that's what we're we're essentially trying to, to do, I think, you know, with that's the awesome. platform. Hmm. And, and, and I, I, yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's common in, in the industry, you know, it's like you, you want to remove redundant work, especially a company so large with, like you said, teams that don't know, you know, I mean, I, when I joined, you know, there was 5,000 employees, you know, we're at 20 plus thousand now. And so, you know, there's people you don't know, you know, there's teams you don't know uh, and, and you don't know what they're doing. And, you know, and if it's an acquisition, they already have something in production running. Uh, and so you can tell them, shut it down. And, you know, this is what you got to use. <laughs> <laughs> and, and in terms of that, you know, in some of the, the pain points that you've identified and also creating a culture of, you know, contributing to, to solutions actively, what are some of the, the biggest struggles that your users have um, for ingress communication into the Kubernetes clusters? Uh, I'd call them exotic routing needs, maybe. Um, that's a nice <laughs> that's a nice <laughs> you could patent that exotic routing well, I mean you know you know the, the right word would be a requirements you know it's like yeah. hey I want to I want to be able to route based on you know some header or some path on some um, user agent or some you know whatever IP address I don't know you know it's 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 whatever you know I don't know uh, but know, also, as you said, when dealing with an organization so vast, that's why you will naturally encounter some of those more exotic 
Um, exactly. Yeah. The more teams you need, will you 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 know you deal with the the more of those you know various requirements you get. You know of you know, and they're they're all different. Uh, but you know, at the same time, you you know, I mean, you you want to provide value. You want to support them. You want to help them. Uh, and so, but you're right. I mean, it's it's because of you know the diversity of teams that you get into this, you know, this situation. And because of that, maybe some of the best practices or, or maybe like you said, maybe they are really just exotic, unique sort of special cases, but sort of anticipating maybe some of these issues, are there some things that, that people could keep in mind? Um, well, normal stuff, I think, you know, one team asks for something, um, you know, it's a maybe. Another team asks for it, that's the trigger, I think. Uh, so it's, it's pretty mathematical. Um, but you know, I mean, you know, I think it's it's all all you know, it's it's the business requirements. Like you know, if if I can't offer exactly what they want, do I do I have an alternative? I'm not gonna live and you know hanging. I mean, I'm not gonna say no, and you know, I know what they're gonna do. If you say no, they're gonna go and set up their own you know environments, and they're gonna do the you know they're gonna repeat this whole thing. And and so we get back into that conversation we just had on you know hey we're gonna rebuild they're gonna rebuild you know what we already did, and so and we don't want that you know and the company doesn't want that, uh, and so, you know I think you know in most cases it's reasonable stuff you know and and it's exotic because you didn't know you didn't anticipate you know it's the the unknown unknown kind of kind of situation, um, but you know it doesn't mean it's unreasonable. So I'm, I'm wondering about this, like ingress, is it a, uh, is it a love or hate relationship that you have with it? Because I was reading on some Twitter feeds between, uh, Brendan Burns and Tim Hawken and Tim was saying like the best thing ingress has for it is momentum. And that's it. That, or the only thing that Ingress has going for it is momentum. And so I'm wondering how you feel about about Ingress and and the controllers and that whole way of doing things. It, for you, is it fine? Is it all right? Or is it there a better way? That's a good question. I you know, I I, I like it. I I love it. I you know, it's. The reason for that is because it it allows team to, you know, at the end of the day, do exactly what they want to do, uh, and and that flexibility for me is very attractive, um, you know. And and when you enable that, I mean, they're, yeah, they're that sense of accomplishment. Like if you can't do this, you know, if you can do ingress, customers can't access the service that those team built, uh, and so. When you open that up, you, you know, it, it, you open, you know, it's like the Pandora's box. You open, you know, you, you enable the service. If that doesn't work, there's, you know, basically no reason for being, you know, well, it's not usable. And so, yeah, I agree. The, the momentum and, you know, is, is true. So I, and, and the way it is done with the ingress controllers and, and the separation of the data plan, the control plan, and all this stuff, I, I think is a model that, you know, I like, um, you know, because you you have two components that serve two different needs. They are tightly integrated, obviously. Uh, but you know, when you focus on the ingress controller, you know, one thing that we say we it doesn't have to be up. It, needs, it can't be down for a long period of time. But you know, like running one of them is fine. 
Now, as long as, sure. you know, if it crashes or if the host, you know, goes away, a new one comes back very quickly, that's fine. You know, you're not in the data path. Uh, and so I like that separation of duties um, uh, for sure. You know, it, it's more microservice in yeah. a sense. Uh, so, so like when, when you were creating your own and you were saying you were using Envoy and I, did you just add on to what Envoy already had and like personalize that or did you create something from scratch? No, we didn't create something from scratch. We added, um, so, you know, let, let me, let, to back up, we, we extended the, the ingress controller. So that was an extension. In Envoy, we added uh, things that were missing or that we needed. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's still the same Envoy, you know, the base code that's running. Uh, and I think, you know, for me, um, I think one of the things I, you know, we haven't talked about is, you know, access logs, you know, I actually you know, worked on something to be able to um, give our users um, access to the logs for their namespace, which, you know, in a multi-tenant environment is not, you know, you can give them access to the entire logs, but, you know, they only want to see their own thing. In that case, we create a brand new CRD from scratch. Uh, and that's an extension. Yeah, we use Fluentbit, uh, and that's an extension to Fluentbit. So we kind of did it all. There's extension of the CRD. There's updating the software, and there's you know creating a new one. Uh, but you know, I think you know, if if I would take something, one thing away from this talk is you know from this conversation is being able to run a customized copy of the component that you have is something that. That is good. It doesn't mean you should do it in production. It's being able to do it, you know, because when you find, when you have an issue, being able to make that change and test that quickly to see if it addresses your issue, you know, it's going to help you resolve those things better. So knowing how to build those components, knowing how to deploy them uh, on your own. And again, it doesn't mean that you would run, you know, those custom copies on your own or, or your own production. It's just the ability and the know-how uh, that is, you know, to me critical, I think to being able to address those issues. That's great wisdom. That's super helpful. And I think, I think just to continue with that as well, is that, you know, when I first started checking out the things about Ingress, the things that I, that I got a hold of were stuff about space probes and about a guy who went to test his technology with Ingress in cyber cafes, in internet cafes in Cambodia. So we start with these sort of really, really complex notions that seem totally like unfathomable and really, really difficult to grasp. But just, you know, listening to you sort of hash these things out um, and talk about them in a really practical way. I'm just kind of curious, when you have to explain what you do for a living to people, how do you synthesize that? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm a software guy. Uh, you know, I, I don't pretend to be a, you know, a network engineer, like in the old, you know, definition. You know, I don't, I don't work on switches and routers. Uh, but at the end of the day, we're still routing packets. Uh, but, you know, I'm still a software guy. So that's, that's the way I explained it. And Ingress is the, the place I'm focused on. You know, in my previous role with Mesos, I actually worked, I was working on scaling. So I'm not, you know, that's, that's the beauty about networking with, with Kubernetes is that it is software. I mean, you, you got to understand, you know, obviously, you know, everything that you talk about, Bart, you know, around the, you know, the, the the routing and all that, um, but it but it is software and I'm I'm a software guy and so um, you know at the end of the day you want to solve problems 
with software. Yeah. And as you said earlier as well, too, a lot of it, what it's about is enabling people, giving them more freedom to be able to do things. So this might sound like a bit of a stretch, but Laurent, I think we can call you a freedom fighter. <laughs> there we go. I'll take that. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. I was not expecting to hear that today. But, no, <laughs> but you're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. That is awesome. All right. So Laurent, the freedom fighter, do you have a an idea of like uh how many nodes is too many? And this this one was something that you know I've heard people debate like after 500 nodes, it starts to get a little bit hairy, but then others say like, no, if you're running it correctly and you are mindful of the services, then you can go up to 15,000. Is there for you an idea of too many or not enough? Or do you not even think about that because you architected in a different way? So I don't know if I, I think about that or just only that, uh, you know, you can, you can, you know, 500 nodes with one service, on the nodes, you know, it's gonna be just fine. 10,000 nodes with one service. So it's not just that one, you know, metric or criteria, I think that matters. It's, it's the combination of it all. Mm. It's how many, you know, a, a hundred million services on one node, it's it, it not gonna be good, you know? And so if, if you, you know, you gotta, you gotta I think it's, it's around the architecture and understanding um, you know, how all those limits kind of work together. Uh, and, you know, and that's, that's another thing is, you know, we talk about measuring and, you know, measure everything um, and, and limits are good. Um, I think that's why you have limits is, you know, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean that you know what the limit is, but you know that, you know, you put a limit and when you reach it, well, this, maybe you got to take action. Maybe your limit was too low. You know, I remember having a conversation, you know, at reinvent actually with some of the Amazon networking guys. And they had, you know, they, Amazon, they have limits everywhere. Like, you know, everything is a limit. And you know, I remember someone asking why, why so much, you know, so many limits, like, why are you limiting the, the number of security groups you can have in, you know, you know, and the answer was limits are good. You know, you don't know how people are going to use your software. And so, you know, when you put limits and you, you know, you kind of alert or you, you, you kind of figure out when those limits are rich, this is when you realize, okay, you know, maybe this was used in a different manner that was expected. Maybe, you know, I, am I architected the right way? This is kind of like, it's, it's preemption. You know, you, it's, not, it's not reactive at all. It's, you know, being able to, you know, say, hey, I think this, this works great with, with that limit. And so I'm just going to put it there. And when I reach it, that means I got to, you know, refocus. Uh, maybe make some changes, maybe not. Uh, and so, you know, that's where I realized, well, limits are good. You know, I mean, they're a pain in the butt when you're a customer, um, but, you know, they're great when you, you know, when you design something and, you know, especially when it's used in a, in a matter that you didn't expect. That's such nice insight to think about. Yeah. Limits are great because you don't know how your, your tool or your software is going to be used. So better to be safe than sorry and figure it out. If, if there is something that is being used, how it wasn't intended to be using, you can make sure to nip it at the bud and not let it go. Yeah, or adjust, you know, and, maybe this is the direction. I mean, yeah. you know, when you look at all the software and all the components out there, how many of them were actually, are actually used in the way that were intended in the first mm -hmm. place? You know, I mean, you gotta adapt. Uh, I think that that's what limits yeah. give you, especially if you can raise those limits easily. 
but you know, this is the indication that hey, you know, maybe you know, maybe there's something there, you know, or you can provide more, uh, or you can do something different. Uh, that's awesome. Great, great insight there. I like that a lot. Now, you said okay, you don't look at it only as the nodes and what is the limit for the nodes because you have to factor in many different pieces. What are some of the other factors that you look at? Uh, bean packing, you know, number of uh, pods per nodes, a uh, number of, um, you know, we talked a little bit about IP tables and, you know, those are useful policies. A uh, number of policies, you know, they all affect routing and that affect actually ingress and egress. Um, I think the underlying VM and what it can support, you know, both in terms of networking um, and, you know, CPU and all, you know, just the, the, the usual characteristics, I guess. Um, it's it's a combination of them all. And that's why it's it's a hard thing to do. You know, like there's no one metric say, limit rich, you know, got to do something. It's, you know, it's the sum of all the parts, I guess. Um, and, and, and that's why it's hard to, you know, know what to measure. Um, but, you know, I think that's, yeah, that's a hard thing to do, but that's, so, that's something you need to do. So uh, just the last question along these lines, and then I'll, I'll, I'll stop with it, but I'm wondering, like, um, do, how do you reconcile with which services you're going to run on, on different, uh, in, in this, like if I'm saying, okay, I want to, I have a limit or I, I don't have a limit of services. How do you see which ones are worth running and which ones not, or is that not a question either? I don't know if that's a question. I mean, it's, Okay. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's the behavior of of the component, and is it meeting your needs? And do you know what it's doing? Uh, and and is that you know is it being used in the way it was supposed to be used? Um, and you know, it's knowing this uh, and knowing how it's how it's built, how it works. So it's it's the internals and the externals hmm. uh, combined. So I don't know if I answer the question because, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard. It's again, it's, it's, it's hard, right? I mean, this, you know, there's so much you don't know. Um, but you know, what, from what you do know, you, you know, that's where, that's your entry point. That's what you got to leverage. Uh, but you know, you got to realize that there's things you don't know, uh, and you got to be ready for it. Awesome. That's so good. So that is, uh, that is perfect. that's the limit that's the limit of the limits question that's the limit uh, we've reached limit um, <laughs> limits are good as you said now uh this is a bit of a long shot but it was stated that you are a major major soccer fan all right we are first of all you can you can tell us a little bit about your experience with that but this is a bit of a challenge all right are there any ways that you can relate the evolution of soccer right to the we could say perhaps the evolution of technology networking the things that we've been talking about um like i said if, if it sounds a little bit tricky, you feel free. We can deflect to Dimitri and he can give his answer. Um, but just curious what you might have to say about that. No, I um, I love the addition of the technology in the sport, I think, for me. Uh, you know, the goal line, uh, 
VAR to an extent. Uh, you know, I don't necessarily like the way it's being used, uh, but I like that it's here, that's there. You know, I'm more on the opinion that the guy behind the, the computer should be the expert and the guy on the field could be a robot uh, and tell them, you know, or, or both. Uh, that, you know, I think it, it takes away from the flow. But, you know, I think technology is there. You know, it's in our lives. And so it's just natural that it goes into into soccer. You know, I'm an amateur. I'm not going to have VAR. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to say, oh, no, the ball crossed the line and that's a goal. You know? Or someone got elbowed. Was <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that was so a play- ball, you know. <laughs> yeah, you can play that to your advantage. I understand it's a question of league. But as you said, it's only natural that there's more of an introduction in technology in sports. Although some people do find it kind of frustrating as a, as a growing pain. It um, is, you know, yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah, but in terms of what it is, what it is allowing in terms of data analysis, uh, the training aspects, uh, tons of different things there. Obviously, I think there are a lot of benefits that people would agree with. Um, and can you just tell us who your favorite team is so we know who to support? There's only one. I'm from Marseille, and so it's Olympic Marseille. All right. All right. <laughs> only French team to win the Europe, the championship. Uh, you know, Paris okay. is still trying. <laughs> uh, we'll see what they do this year. There we go. So there have been some very insightful pieces of wisdom from you. One around soccer and the other around being able to run a customized copy of the components that you have, I think was one that you said. And I, I wanted to just dive in on that and make sure that I understood it correctly. Uh, because you said, if there's one thing that you can take away from this talk, it is that being able to run a customized copy of the components you have is very important. Is that correct? Or did I misunderstand? It's, it's correct. I probably would have phrased it a different way. It's, it's about knowing how to build that component with, you know, Mm-hmm. And customize it if you need, but mostly know how to build it. You know, can you actually compile Envoy? Yeah, you said uh, being, you know, a- being able to build it, you know, being it's, having, yeah, having access to that, the capacity to, to be able to do that. Right. Knowing how it's deployed, you know, so, and again, it, it's really to help, you know, if you run into an issue that maybe, you know, the Envoy team doesn't know about or, or any component. I mean, it's not necessarily Envoy, right? It's any of those components that you use. You know, in Kubernetes, could be the the cluster scaler and all those kind of things. Can you you know, can you add some debug statements and build it, deploy in your test environment, and you know that ability, that flexibility, you know, will help. I think you know. And again, I, I'm not advocating that you should run, a, you know, a custom copy. I'm saying that you should know how to build it and you should know how to you know how to do it. It's kind of like you know those those disaster recovery exercises. It's part of the exercise. Yeah. And, and that can help, I think, you know, with, you know, stability and, and quality of service. That and it's funny you say that because uh, Alexander or Mr. Perconi was on here like three or four weeks ago and he was talking, he has a, a Russian accent and it was scary listening to him say, you know, I don't like it when people use the, the GitHub issues as like a support channel. <laughs> it was in his russian accent like go figure it out like i'm not the support you know i'm just building this i'm trying to maintain this operator and i think it's it goes along those lines like yeah being able to know how to build it you will have a much easier time if something does go wrong exactly and you have problems and you won't have to hit up people for uh support on the open source <laughs> Uh, that's issues. community right you're not paying you're, you're, no one's paying this guy 
you yeah. know, how, you know, and, and now you're getting, you know, I've seen those issues on GitHub, you know, it's, yeah. ah, it's not working, you know, like, well, yeah. that's working for well, a lot yeah, of people. It, exactly. It works for a lot of other people. So maybe it's not you, or maybe it is you. And so the last thing that I will say is limits are good. As you put there, I'm going to quote you on that, even though you didn't say it, it was the Amazon guys, but you made it famous here today. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think we've reached our limit of this talk. Awesome. How many more limits jokes can we make? <laughs> as long as you know what your limit is, that's good. <laughs> there it is. As I think we going to go listen to Take It to the Limit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have that as the fade out song right That'll now. Be the soundtrack. Yeah. Watch this on YouTube. So thank you, Laurent. Thank you for everybody that was here with us, joining us. And if you are not in it already, feel free to jump into Slack. We have a Slack community that is going off right now and Laurent is in it. He is completely involved. I will put a link to that in the chat right now. But uh, as for the rest, I don't know if anyone else has anything they want to say. Feel free to chime in now. I guess that's it. Thank you guys. That was awesome. I had a good time. Thank you so much, Laurent. Fantastic. Thank you. We'll see you all later. See you later. Take care. Bye-bye.